This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Botox Cosmetic. Out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You see the optimism we get from the performance we brought on Saturday. Despite having, I think there was eight missing once Anthony came off after half an hour, we're still capable of putting a performance on. That's the strength of the squad, and everybody's got to do their part. And when Jason Law comes on and puts a good few couple of crosses in um, and things like that, it's people like Jason Taylor Anderson was on the bench uh, from the academy. Everybody will just play a small part, but that's what you have the squad for at the start of the season for these sort of contingencies. It sounds like a tale of woe from Nigel Clough as player injuries mount up. Bones become barer than a ravaged KFC and frustrations on the terraces begin to heighten. A New Year's Day defeat at Warsaw left a lot to be desired. As the transfer window opens, I think it's fair to say that most of us expect some action. But given the constant cuff comments that he has enough without going one for one, that's in for out, do we need to brace ourselves for yet more disappointment from those in the recruitment office? Tonight on the Mansfield Matters podcast, we'll talk all things transfers, ranging from where we should be looking at adding to fighting the niggling voice that we're about to have a star taken away as George Lapsley seemingly stalls over a new deal. As always, we want your thoughts with questions, observations and opinions aplenty in the comments on the live feed, please. You know what to do by now. This is the show for the fans, by the fans, for the first time in six series, coming to you from a brand new Mansfield Matters HQ. Enough about that, though. Let's get on with the show. This is the show for the fans, by the fans. This is the Mansfield Matters podcast. Five days, 19 hours and two minutes into the January transfer window and Mansfield Town have made a considerable amount of signings. A nice big round number, zero. Welcome to the Mansfield Matters podcast. It's the show for the fans, by the fans. And welcome to a brand new Mansfield Matters HQ. Hope that you're all well. Hopefully for you guys at home, uh, nothing will seem different whatsoever. It's a bit weird for me, um, a bit more of an echoey room than what I usually am in. And Harry, the podcast dog, is roaming around somewhere, still getting used to the place, so he might pop his nose in at some point. But other than that, we're all good to talk all things Mansfield Town FC. And as you can probably tell, I know some of the... uh, uh, long-term viewers and things amongst you might be wondering a little bit about the backdrop you can have a little look on social media there's all the usual stuff in and around in the background and I've been inspired by Nick uh, to get a shirt rail as well because I was getting a little bit fed up of uh, hanging them on the wall and now I can change them as well so there you go Nick you've had a little bit of influence you've had a little bit of uh, influence on me uh, after what less than 10 episodes on the podcast now (laughs) it's all about the rails all about the rails and the backdrop it is all about the rails. Nick is one of two to join us tonight. Uh, Clive is also on the podcast as well. Or should I say, Clive on the bench on Saturday. I mean, at the rate things are going, Clive, you might be in the starting 11. I've cleaned my boots. I'm ready. I uh, I have to say I'm probably a bit more impervious to injury, uh, even in my advanced years, than the average League 2 player at the moment. But can you but can you play centre half or wing back? That's the big question. And have you played for Burton before? Oh, I've got a I've got a tactic. I've not told Clough what my preferred position is, and therefore he can't mess about with me. You're halfway there, but have you played for Burton before? I've been to Burton. Does that count? 
It may well do. Desperate times call for desperate measures in the old transfer fronts. We'll talk all things transfers tonight. Come and have your say on your team in the comments if you wish to do so and let us know your thoughts on all things injuries, all things transfer market. And we are now, you know, five days, 19 hours and four minutes into the January transfer window. And to be honest, Nick, when it gets to 31 days and uh, 23 hours and 59 minutes into the January transfer window, I've got a strong feeling that we may have made as many signings <clears throat> as we have at this point. Yeah, I wouldn't... Um... I wouldn't. I think that's a possibility. I think the way we're going. Uh, I think the other thing that worries me at the minute is you see the clubs who needed things have seemed to have done them, and like you say, we're already five days in, and the clubs who needed players seem to have signed them. So I don't quite know when we started negotiating. Whether we thought the first was the first time you could actually do anything, I'm not sure. But I'm sure it'll come at some point. We're probably overreacting a little bit, considering we're seventh in the league with a, you know, fourteen fit players or whatever we've got, but. Yeah, it'd be nice to see some movement. Clough seemed to think it was a few weeks away, which is slightly worrying because the longer it drags on, the, the He said worse. in his interview this week that uh, he thought there might be some opportunity after the FA Cup weekend. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see whether whether that sort of turns anything around, but I'm, I'm not sure. And I think until somebody stood there with a, with a shirt and a scarf, I think that's when we'll start to judge whether it's going to be a good window or not. Well, absolutely. I doubt we will make too much movement. I like selling the intro. I think it will be one for one, in for out. But uh, it, it's frustrating, Clive, because, you know, you look, we, we what, five days into it now. Other clubs are already doing business that need to do business. You know, Warsaw are a prime example that, you know, they had a, a lone player from us in Danny Johnson, who they may well be losing in a, in, in 10 days' time, um, who will either re-sign with them or will sign um, elsewhere, but they've already made moves to, to replace him. And, you know, we've got all these injuries, threadbare. And let's be honest, whilst we are seventh in the division and, and picking up some results, the performances aren't there. We do need to add reinforcements, but it yet again seems like we're acting like a retired tortoise. We've got, in fact, a retired tortoise has probably got more pace in reacting to the situation we're in. It seems to me we're a bit like a, a nursing home at the moment. We've got more crocs than uh, the Everglades. We've got uh, players out through for a variety of reasons. I mean, I've just made a list before the, we started the podcast. Hartington, dislocated shoulder for the second time, probably out for the rest of the season. Hewitt, well, the good news is he's been ill, but the, Clough was hoping he'd be training this week. Does that put him on the bench? Does it put him on the 11? I don't know. Clark, a good few weeks away from being ready. Harbottle, three to four weeks. Aikens, ankle. Wallace, ankle. Gale, injured shins. And then you've got Lewis Page, whose short-term contract never really did anything, and it's not being renewed because, guess what? He's injured. And we did, uh, we did sign one of our younger players on a longer-term contract because he came back at the start of the season on a short-term contract. Jimmy Knowles, guess what? He's injured. He's not, is he? I've never known such a situation. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but in that intro piece you, you, you played from Mr. Clough, he said, if I've, if I've correctly understood it, that's why you have a small squad. That's what you have a small squad for, to allow for these contingencies. Well, surely a bigger squad allows for these contingencies far better than a small squad does. Yeah, I completely agree. And to be honest... I might end up getting some some hammer from Stags fans tonight. It nearly kicked off in the group chat after the uh, the Warsaw game, to be fair, because I'm getting very, very impatient, getting very, very frustrated with the way things are at the moment. And to be honest, I can't listen to a Nigel Clough interview in full anymore because I don't hear positive re like reinforcement or whatever. I don't hear anything to make me go, we'll be all right. All I hear is this blinkeredness. Because he said in his interview... We played all right on, on Sunday at Warsaw. What game was he watching? We played all right for five minutes when we brought Jordan Bowery on. But what about the other 85 when we were absolute crocker rubbish? I don't know about you, Nick. Am I overreacting? Am I using my am I being pessimistic, negative Craig in twenty twenty three? Or have I got a slight point when you scratch at the surface? I think the more you scratch at the surface, the more comes off. It's like the uh, some of the state of the tarmac roads around Mansfield. Once you get a little bit of the surface off, all of a sudden there's a massive pothole. And it seems like there's a little bit like that at the minute. But it's hard not to overreact, I think, a little bit because it is disappointing. And those who go to, to some of the um, the recent away games, you know, you, 
doesn't fill you with much confidence. And then the home games come and sometimes we're good, sometimes we're not. But I just can't see how he can't get more players in than go out. I, I, I don't see how you can't. You can't look at the injuries we've got and think, even if you're absolutely set on having a small squad, the injuries now dictate that you can't. Even if that's what you like, I'm pretty certain John Radford, David Sharp, whatever, would understand if he said, I need to bring in three and I need to get rid of none. I'm pretty certain you could like Clive's list. You could bring that up for two seconds and go, oh yeah, I get what you mean. I mean, there's got to be some, sorry to interrupt you, Nick. There's got to be some uh, some truth in the rumour that that one of our key players is on the way out. I know Mm. on on the coach back the other night, we were toying around with Hewitt because he disappeared and nobody explained why. (laughs) There's been an explanation now. But we do know that Lapsley's hesitated signing a new contract. Um, So his agent's doing some work somewhere, one one would assume. Um, And if if you lose the likes of a, a Lapsley, from a very, very depleted and already small squad, it really won't. Uh, it, it, it's it, it's very difficult to see how that can be tolerated. I think you made the point earlier, Nick, that we're in seventh position and we, we're we're further up the table than we were this time last year, and that's perfectly true. And we shouldn't be getting too pessimistic. But the only thing I would say is that this time last year we were embarking on a a, a, a very long points gathering campaign. Yeah. And we've, we're stuttering at this moment in time. Um, and we're losing, still losing silly goals, aren't we? Uh, you see, having a small squad and then still in trying to play three at the back with wing backs is okay. But our, both of our wing backs are underperforming and have been for a while. And then you've only got to get a key injury to someone like Harbottle in the centre three. And all of a sudden, we've got nothing again at the back. So we need reinforcement. We need reinforcement in the, in, the, in the powerhouse at the front. We don't score enough goals. If we scored more goals, it wouldn't matter if we shipped the odd one at the back. But it seems to me that the, the game plan tends to be to win by one goal. Well, OK, if you can pull it off, that's fine. It doesn't do much for entertainment value, but it's fine. You'll get the points. And let, let me say here and now, if we won every game 1-0 to the end of the season, I'd be quite happy with that. But I just think that I don't know who's responsible for containing the number of players we've got. Is it the club who's trying to run to a budget, which I can understand and respect if that's the case. But Mm. in the same vein, if you're running a budget that's designed to break even, and and every small club should be trying to do that anyway, how the hell do you justify having such a a luxurious management team? Yeah, it it does. We've got too many chiefs and not enough Indians at the moment. Yeah, it does seem like too many cooks in the kitchen, doesn't it? Especially with the, the re- recruitment team. Yeah, every club needs a recruitment department. But when you look at our transfer business, it's not like we're proactive. If anything, we're, we're very, very slow. We very much see what's left on the shelves in the sales and, and sort of add players where needed. It, it doesn't seem like a forward-thinking strategy, especially when, as part of that recruitment drive, you'd be looking... You know, not just as incomings, uh, outgoings. George Lapsley is the, the the prime example of that, Nick, whereby he's not signing a new contract. Therefore, if we want to regain anything from him, we need to be putting him in the shop window and getting some, some offers in for him. But the difficult thing with that now is clubs will offer him a, a contract <laughs> and go, see out this season with Mansfield, we'll get you on a free next season, we'll give you a, be- a bigger bonus and, and Bob's your uncle, all you're doing is waiting six months. It's... Uh, it, it's a it's a risky one because we're going to be shelling out to bring people in and not getting anything anything back in. It's like feeding the two p machines, you know, two pounds worth of two p's and getting four and getting four p back. Yeah, you, I think with the lapsley one, you've got to make a decision a year before. Either tell him in the summer, are you going to commit to a deal? If you're not, we're going to have to sell you because we mm. can't be affording to do. And he's not. He's a very good player. He's one of our better players, but he's not a player that you would say, well. If we let's wait until the end and let's get promoted with him and then let him leave on a free. I don't think he's that sort of player. You know, I'd rather us cash in if we if we have the chance. But in terms of recruitment in, I, we never see his assistant um, because we're told that he watches games all the time. I don't I've know seen he, I've seen Lord Lucan more frequently than I've I, seen I don't know if he watches it with his back to the game. I'm not sure, but I've never. I've not seen any fruit of it. We haven't had any recommendations. We don't sign players early doors in the windows. We always wait till the last yeah. minute. We waited till, you know, August the 31st to try and sign a striker last season and ended up with a centre mid. If if we if we've got an assistant who's obviously paid to, to go and watch games, then what is he watching? You know, his brother is it his brother who watches games as well. Um who he's one of our scouts. Yeah. You know, he, he goes to watch games. 
I can't understand why at the start of the window our targets can't be pretty much set in stone before the 1st of January. Um, but while we're just touching on a small squad, I think it was mentioned in one of the comments, but and it's something I was going to mention anyway. Because we've got such a small squad, we have to rush players back earlier because we need to cover and then they get injured again. Yeah. If you had a bigger squad, they wouldn't have to be rushed back and therefore they wouldn't play. They, you know, Oates came back uh, and he seems to have been fine. But the, the list of players who have been injured and have come back and then got re-injured again. Because what choice do we I mean, Mac has been playing at probably 60% fit, I would suggest, all season. But you take yeah. him out of left-back and who on earth do you play at left-back? Yeah, and the well, other thing with that is as well is when you bring a player back earlier on from their injury, if they're not fully recovered, there's an expectation for them to be the same player. Reese Oates, the prime example, didn't hit the ground running when he returned at the back end of last season. Mm. Hasn't really done so with this season since since coming back a few weeks ago. Again, Hartigan, when he first signed, fantastic. Got injured at Grimsby. Wasn't really getting there. Was just about getting on the cusp of it and gets injured and is missing for the season. It, it is so frustrating. Uh, let's uh, have a little look, delve through some of the comments. Keep them uh, coming in. Have your say on your team. Uh, Tom says, I don't think laps will leave now, but most likely uh, in the summer for free. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, again, is another kick in the teeth because we believe paid a bit of a fee for him as well when we uh, made his loan deal permanent. Uh, Simon says, unfit players over overstretched and rushing back for injury. Uh, why are academy players not coming through the system? Well, we had a, one or two on the bench, didn't we, on, um, on New Year's Day. And I do know that, to be fair, they are sort of slowly seeping through. Um, they get an experience with the match day squad. Um, Tyler Anderson, I think, was the one that was named on the bench. Uh, there's a couple that train in the warm up before beforehand and have first team experience, but uh, it, it's a it's it's a difficult one to sort of say why they're not getting, you know, out and out game time. I mean, if we follow the Jason Law method, they might get a game by the time they're 28. Um, keep your comments Craig, coming. Craig, in. what do you think? If if you're one of these young players who's desperately trying to get into the first team squad and you're, you're there on merit you're allowed to train with them you run around before the game they may even sit you on the bench but in the last game and it's not that it's the second time this season he's put the goalkeeping coach on the bench to make the numbers up surely yeah. to god you put a youth player on the bench i don't yeah. understand that at all whether it's or almost not like the club is saying we don't trust the young players I don't know whether there's, a, there's something else there. I mean, we really need to get somebody on from a business perspective that has worked in football who can tell us the answer to this question because I can justify that. But I think it it does spring a wider discussion of budget and finance. If we are to bring a youth team player... So here's the way I understand it. I could well be wrong. And if I am, feel free to correct me and, and let me know. Let's have a wider discussion on it. So every player that is in Mansfield Town's under-21 academy system is not a registered first-team player. Therefore, if we were to take... If we were to take uh, he's going to make a, a random name up off the top of my head now. If we were to take Cannon's, young Cannon Seller tape, for example, and put him on the bench on Saturday and therefore give him a squad number, we would therefore have to register him as a first-team player, amend his contract to do that, and also pay some form of registration fee. How much that would be, I don't know. We're not talking big money, but there would surely be a fee there. And maybe the the the, the thing is, with the thinking thinking around that, well, let's not spend money on a registration fee for a youth team player in late December, early January, when we're thinking of signing two or three in the window. That I, I, I do sort of understand. The goalkeeping coach thing, Again, is that a thing with we've we've got in there to cover a goalkeeping injury because our young goalkeeper is out being developed, which he should well be, um, and he's you know he's a first team member of staff, he's experienced. So if anything does happen, I understand that. Is it making up the numbers so we don't get a fine with not naming a full bench? I don't know what it is, but someone out there must have the answers, and I think we as supporters deserve a few more of those answers because. Right now, we're sitting here and, and we're, we're guessing. We're, we're guessing why players aren't getting involved. Give us answers as, as to why they're not. And, and, and those questions will go away and our focus will, will drift elsewhere. I think that's a, a fair enough assessment. I think Crawley. Didn't Crawley play about eight under-21 players at the weekend? 
I know they've got a bit of money these days, but they, I, I, don't, I get your point about the registration fee. There might be, but if you if you're going to believe in these kids, there's no better belief for me yeah. than giving a young lad a registration and a squad number and saying, right, here you go. Totally you agree. Know, that, that to me would give him more of a boost and sat there wondering why a 39 year old goalkeeping coach has sat there. Instead of, I, I don't know. I think there's probably no, merits to both totally. sides of that argument. I'd just be nice for someone to tell us, wouldn't it? Yeah, I totally agree. I think it also depends on what age they are as well. Um, yeah. If they're over the age of 18, then fine. But if they're, seven, if they're 17, 18, 16, 17, safeguarding laws come into it and there's all manner of different loopholes and things you've you've got to go through as well. So I don't know, but maybe someone out there does have the answers. Uh, let's go back to some more of your comments. Keep them coming in. Have your say on your team. Tom says, think uh, Clough said he hoped of two or three deals would be done next week. But again, Clive, with that, I think that's on the understanding that two or three go out. Now, those two or three don't necessarily have to be, you know, what we class as first team players. One of, you know, let's say, for example, if let's take that three number, for example, the three that go out could be Danny Johnson, who is you know, already well, Danny anyway. Johnson's definitely Jake... going to go somewhere, isn't he? And we'll yeah. get, we will get a fee for Danny Johnson. Yeah. Uh, and and, that, you know, and I, mean... I hope, therefore, that gives them some lubrication to recruit. Yeah, but what but what I'm saying is, you know, of those two or three that go out, it doesn't necessarily mean it's those who's involved week in, week out. So it could be Johnson, who's a registered Mansfield player who needs to go out anyway. Jason Law, who desperately needs football and will get it at any other club that's not managed by Nigel Clough, other than a two-minute cameo appearance. And probably someone like James Gale. But again, his, in, his injury hampers his development. And also, by the time he comes back... We might have another injury in the camp. This is exactly what happened with Jason Law last season. He was supposed to go out on deadline day. Somebody then got injured in training and he couldn't go out to a League Two club and Clough didn't want to send him to... There was no suitable conference club for him. and He was there for cover. It's it's a dangerous game running with a, with a thin squad for me, Nick. And in an ideal world, come the end of this window, our squad would be two, possibly three heavier than what it is now without anybody going out other than the obvious in Danny Johnson. Yeah, there's some key... I mean, the centre-back's an obvious one. Full-back for the cover for Macker on the left. You could argue we need another right-back as well because Gordon's not really ripping up trees and Hewitt's seemingly better in the centre than a striker. And that's four there already without really going into any great detail. That's without replacing Lapsley. And that's without replacing Lapsley. Um mm. The only thing I can say with Laps, if he has played this attacking midfielder, and if you are playing more up front, you could lose that position, albeit he is, you, you know, obviously want to keep him around. But, you know, you, that's that's four players straight off the bat that we need. And that's 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 blatantly obvious to everyone. I think if you asked every Stags fan, they'd probably say at least one fullback, a centre-back and a striker. Um, obviously, Danny Johnson's going to go. I, I did think a few months back, maybe naively, that Clough might, considering the situation we're in, think, you know what? Let's have a chat with him. He scored 13 goals or whatever he scored. Um, let's try and make it work and stick him up there. But obviously, that's not going to work now. And I don't think Clough's that sort of character. So, he's he's out the door and we need to replace him pretty quick. I do think there's some there's a lot more to that Danny Johnson situation than what is being let on. And I don't think it's unfair that we should be asking for some answers. Every time it gets brought up in press, um, it's brought up... <clears throat> very timidly and tepidly and it's answered very very quickly sharply very similar with the George Lapsley thing uh question he was asked is he any closer to sign a new deal Clough was no and that next question it was shut down there's no discussion there we're not getting as much flesh on the bone now we're not getting as much return for for what we want as a as a fan base at the minute and that's very very frustrating to seem quite down as well I thought Clough seemed Mm. quite forlorn to yeah. use the word he, he he looked very negative i thought and the, the johnson one I, the, I don't understand if if he if he for example is terrible in training and he's a bit of a bit of a numpty around the ground nobody wants him there then clough can come out and say it because he's off isn't he so i don't know why they don't give us that clarity it was the same with paul anderson under was it flickcroft or was it evans one of them decided yeah, to stop playing paul anderson yeah uh, flickcroft. no one could understand why and i just think transparency in those situations is always the better for us sit on the sideline yeah, absolutely. Let's have a look more at some of your comments. Keep them coming in. Uh, talking of who we'd like to see come in, Jonathan says, first priority for me has to be a commanding quality centre-back. Again, it would alleviate an old problem, wouldn't it, Clive? Because we've seen in glimpses, you know, 
how well we can play when we move a certain number 12 from central defence to centre forward and signing a good quality commanding centre-back would not only stop us or help us along the way to stop conceding these soft, silly goals, which we, we have been conceding, but also be a little bit more expansive. It does seem like that could be, you know, the the one to finally burst open the door. Yeah, but I think it's almost now that um, Oliver Hawkins has been redefined as a defender, not a striker performing the defender's role. He's now become de facto defender. And I think Clough won't see past that now. I think he throws him up when there's an opportunity to do so, and sometimes when it's like the last throw of the dice. But when we did play with three up front the other day, it performed the team performed mm. so much better. And that's a, that's a glass-half-full approach to winning a football game, as opposed to the glass-half-empty, which says, I mustn't concede. I would, we'll try and take a point at least from the game. It's all about philosophy, I suppose. And, and the fans' philosophy is always going to be slightly different to that of the management team because they're paid to do their job and we have aspirations different in some cases. We want to win every game 5-0, of course we do. But we haven't had a set strike force for two seasons. And, and Oliver Hawkins was recruited to be a striker and he's really never had a chance to prove his worth in that position. You know, it's not a popular view amongst other, some of my co colleagues and friends, but I think we should have kept Faz Rawson because he would have been a worthwhile ingredient in the back line. Well, it's, it's funny, you know, I've likened him to a traffic cone at times and there were games like that. But again, he was a commanding centre-half and the, the exact sort of player that we are lacking. Same with, you know, Narty. He didn't hit the ground running when he came here on loan last season because he he got the Mansfield curse, which was was get injured. But look at what he's done at Salford. He's slotted yeah. in there very, very well indeed. Same with Pierre Gianni, who, who went to Stevenage. He was a slow player at Oldham. Um, and, he wasn't, he wasn't the type of player we wanted. But Robin Meniez is doing very well at the moment. Yeah. You know, we've yeah. had these players that have gone through our fingers and uh, seemingly we can't work with them, but other people are able to. That's football. It works both ways, I suppose. But we are running on ex on exhaust fumes at the moment in terms of available talent. And mm. I don't know what the solution to that is, unless you can stop people getting injured or poorly. And let's assume all these are very genuine and outside the control of the club. They've got to be. Then you've got to have a bigger squad to, come, to cover for it. And my biggest criticism has always been that we have never recruited the key positions, cover for the key positions. We haven't got the wing-backs covered for a start. You know, and... Uh, Whilst we've, we're, we've been awash a with central player, midfield players, they've not all together gelled with the team we already had. And certainly when you put a couple of them on together, they, they, they neutralise each other. So I do think it's a dangerous game to just buy a load of midfielders and say, well, you can play deep and you can play long and you can play wide. Recruit players to play in the positions they're best at, is my opinion. Yeah, um, I have to say that the philosophy that we've gone down the road of this season, Nick, for me, which has been you're being brought in to be adaptable. It's not worked. It's not working. It was never really going to work because, you know, I've had a similar situation in my personal life. You know, I've just left a job where I went in thinking it was going to be one thing. And two weeks later, it ended up being something completely different. Um, and, you know, you're stuck in a contract and you slowly become negative. You slowly become unmotivated and it's only a matter of time with that magnified in inside a football dressing room where that starts to have an impact on the pitch and I think that sometimes you do see it this whole thing of if you're being brought in you know you're not going to fall in the striker category I think you can play out wide I think you can play in the middle you, you can hold hold play up or you can do a different job you wouldn't be happy if you went to work tomorrow, would you? And your boss turned around and said, yeah, I think you've done a great job over your career so far, but here's a mop and bucket. I think you'd be better suited as a cleaner. Yeah, it's... Uh, if you look that at the, happened to me, that did. It's Clive. Clive's the, Clive's the cleaner. I think if you look at that starting eleven, really, and you were to ask every single player, are they playing in the right position? I think you'd get probably Swan and maybe Pim. Maka likes playing maybe back. Maybe Pim. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> um, I say that if I was a stint up top. I think, it, well, it will, nothing would surprise me. Maka is a full-back, not a wing-back. He played yeah. 10 times better last season, that's obvious. 
Gordon is a wing-back, not a full-back. Sometimes he plays, then he doesn't. He can't be happy with his playing time. Uh, Hewitt, you could argue. You've got Pershing O'Toole, who certainly aren't happy with their playing time. I get the feeling Hawkins wants to play up front, because that's where he's played for the last 15 years. You look at Maris was always an attacking midfielder. He seems to play holding. Boateng is a bit of a box-to-box free sort of player. He's quite restricted in where we seem to play him. Ollie Clark sits on the bench. Um, then you look at Oates, was actually originally a winger, and we kind of stick him up front. Then sometimes he plays on the wing, sometimes he doesn't. Um, you could go down the whole team. Lapsley <clears throat> sometimes plays right wing back. Bowery plays all over the place. Aikens doesn't know whether he's a striker or a fullback. I think you've got to have or two or three of those players. You've got to have two or three, but you don't need 19. You need two or three. You need the Wallaces. You need the Aikens who can maybe go yeah. a bit all over the place. But you can't have every player not knowing Saturday to Tuesday whether he's going to play fullback or striker. You can't. It's okay for one or two players, but you cannot have every player not knowing or not playing in the position that they would probably tell you that they're best in. You just can't do yeah, it. I, I think you're spot on when you go through. You know the, the starting eleven. Him and Swan are the two which seem which are the constants. Everyone else seems to play everywhere else. And it, it doesn't work. You, you no. know, you, you can't start building a Lego house with Lego bricks and then start using cardboard. It doesn't, it doesn't work. You can't no. fold it into the way you want it. You can't manipulate a side that way. And it, it's going to come crumbling down at some point. Uh, Mark says the fortunate thing with football players is that they, they get paid up their contract if they don't fit. The Joe public do not. Absolutely, they do not. And it's a pain in the backside. But again, it still doesn't make for a conducive environment when it comes for, you know, you're looking at if you've got in, in a in a, seat, a normal season, a normal football squad, you might have one or two who aren't playing, who've had good careers and get a little bit annoyed with it. And they sort of become an issue. But this is <clears> magnified <throat> over probably 70, maybe even 85 percent of our squad who are not playing in the right position. Yes, they're happy because they're, they're playing football and getting regular minutes, but none of them are playing really where they really want to. And that must have an effect in, within the group. And there must be some trust issues there as well. Um, and like Simon has just said in the comments, O'Toole is the perfect example of being disillusioned. You know, he came in last season and to be fair, did a superb job for us at, at in central defence, um, didn't want to play there and made it very, very clear he didn't want to play there from, from the start, but still signed a contract with us. Pretty much saw the season out with um, you know, you know, with by playing centre-back. Played a couple of games in holding midfield and things like that. But again, he's a number 10. He wants to play in midfield. And I just think if you had, if you went into the dressing room, say, for example, you know, you won a competition and you were in charge of the team selection and running the team on a match day. Let's basically say you're the Crawley chairman and you've put yourself in the, in the, in the dugout. You'd walk into that dressing room. If you, if you were that person, Nick and say, right lads today, I'm not going to pick where you start on the, on the field. Here's the 11. You decide between you all what positions you want to play. And I guarantee <coughs> that will yield a better result than going Mackie, you're playing there. Hawks, you're playing there. JJ, you're playing there, and Lawsy, you're getting the teasing at half time. Well, they're not going to moan, are they? Because you ask, you you know, you you see Hawkins' interview, and he's in my head. He really wants to say, "I'm a striker and I like scoring goals," but he always says he's happy to play there. Because if they said to Cluffy, "I don't want to play there," you'd never see him again. I think he didn't like Danny Johnson because he can only play up front. He mm. can't play anywhere else. He doesn't play left back. He probably wouldn't. I can't imagine him saying, "Yes, Clough, I'll play left wing back." I imagine last season when he was asked to fill in somewhere, he probably said, bugger off, I'm playing up front. And that's probably why Clough doesn't like him. Um, I, I think yeah, you, sorry, Nick, I think you're, you hit the nail on the head. I think uh, Nigel Clough is a, an authoritarian manager. I don't, I don't think that's a, a necessarily a bad thing. No. But it, when you have total power, you have to be very careful how you employ it. And I think his position at Manchester Town Football Club is pretty unique in terms of his authority within the structure of the club and not just on team matters I think he is the man and uh, I think uh, the owners have allowed that to be the case and I think their chief executive officer has allowed that to be the case he tends to take a very low profile I think we should hear more from him um, and I, I do think we uh, as a football club we have made progress under club I mean look at the gates the, the crowd are doing the, the fans are doing their thing. We've got four and a half thousand season full, full season season ticket holders this year. First time as long as I can remember, we've, we've had that sort of number. 
we're averaging six and a half thousand home attendances. We're taking four-figure uh, numbers to away games. You know, our, our our fans are commendable, and and I think we're doing our bit. All we want now is the club to do its bit. And when we when we say the club, we want the the club to look after us as patrons. In other words, give us some better facilities. But in the short term, what we want is a team that can get promoted this year. And I think we're going to be tantalisingly just outside that that situation if things perpetuate. I'll say yeah. it now, this this football club, this squad, where we are at the moment, in seventh position, people will say, Craig, what are you talking about? Shut up, you're being stupid. But it's a false position and we're not good enough to get promoted. We're not good enough to finish in the playoffs. And you know what? I'm sick and, and tired of listening to Clough come out and say, we've played well. Be honest, we've played crap. We've not played well in any game this season, re- realistically, other than maybe two or three. And to be 23... 22, 23, 24 games into the season for a, a team that's supposed to be a promotion contender, that is not good enough. And he came out and said after the Warsaw game in his press this week that we played well at Warsaw. Where did we play well at Warsaw other than in the build-up to the goal? One or two spells of football, that's not good enough over 90 minutes. And I'm getting a little bit sick and tired of the blinkeredness that he seems to be under. What do we realistically want? I mean, yes, we want results. And clearly, what we're doing at the minute is not really getting consistent results. We want a little bit more performance because performance is what has driven us to put those bums on seats. Performance is what is driving us to ask for better facilities on a match day because that will again increase footfall. Everything is driven from performance. And... We're not consistent enough to mount a promotion challenge this season unless in the next two weeks the checkbook is opened, we sign some good players and we stick to one formation. We are, what, 23, 24 games into the season, over the halfway point. And I don't think even Nigel Clough and his coaching staff know the formation they're supposed to be playing. Is he being told what formation to try and play? Is he being stubborn that he won't change it? Or is it a, a thing of we've got to constantly try and mix it up? Because we seem to find in one game <clears throat> our best formation, which is 4-3-3, with Hawkins up top and Oates and Swan playing off it. It will rip teams apart. Do we start that at Warsaw, a promotion playoff contender rival? Do we balls? We stick Hawkins at the back, we try and lump it long, and eventually we go to five at the back. It's not good enough, and I'm tired of it. I think uh, just to come to his defence slightly, I think perhaps what Clough was saying when uh, he was saying we didn't play too badly was the fact that we got so many injuries and we still only lost 2-1. Uh, I think it's a it's, a, it's it's looking down the telescope from the wrong end, in my opinion. But on that basis, we weren't murdered and, and we could have been. I mean, the goals were shipped with unforgivable, especially the second one, I have to say. You know, the smallest player on the park headed in from the back post. It's just ridiculous. But you're right, Craig, we only made proper football effort in two 10-minute sessions, really. The one in the second half resulted in a goal, and then we played them off the park for the next 10 minutes. But that's because they were not interested in in, in, in doing anything other than stopping us playing at that point, which is a fairly legitimate thing to do. They weren't that good, I don't think. And I think we uh, the fact they're up there in the playoff zones or thereabouts suggests that there is an awful lot of ordinary teams vying for places in that, in that section. And we're just one of them at the moment, in my opinion. And we do know that when everything clicks and we've got the right players available and they play the right strategy, we could beat people. The real uh, truth is, the real truth is we are a bang average team and we were a bang average team last season as well that just rode the crest of a wave. The, you mentioned it earlier, the difference between last season and this season. Last season we had momentum this season, it's like trying to jumpstart a car by going down a hill to go up a hill. When it hits the bottom of that hill, it ain't going very far because someone's nicked the engine because we've got no bloody engine because we're always injured. How's that for an analogy? I don't I know. You, you make your own momentum for me. I think you, you make momentum by being consistent, picking the same players in the same formation, picking players in the best play, in the best position, and you go from there. That's how you create momentum. Uh, not chopping and changing that never creates momentum. You, the biggest, I think the the reason why we're all getting frustrated is because the, 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 it seems like the way to fix it is so easy. 
it's not a complex tactical tweak. It's not anything like that. It's the really obvious stuff that we're sat at home going, we need to play four at the back. It's blindingly obvious. And then he does it 50 minutes later and it's too late. It's because it's, it's so blindingly obvious that we need three more players. That's the problem, I think, with us. We can all see it and we're all wondering why the people who get paid a lot more than, well, we get paid nothing, but the ones who get paid a decent amount of money at the club can't see it. I think that's why it's so frustrating this season. I think last season, you know, if you'd have asked us all in November why it wasn't working, I don't think any of us really had the answer. I don't think I we think... all stood there really. I think, but whereas now it seems so obvious that we had such a good team last year, albeit may have been bang average, but we were a good bang average team. We were the best of all the bang average teams, in my opinion. And it just mm. needed the same formation with the same sort of players, but with a little bit of quality added in there with Boateng, Swan, Pim, etc. And we would have, I think, would have would have been fine. But because we've tried to tweak it to be something we're not, you know, we're not this five at the back. We, you know, we sold all the wing backs. We had Corey O'Keefe and a few other wing backs, but we didn't like them because we don't play wing backs. So we sold them, but now we do. And it's those little weird tweaks, I think, that's that's why it's so painful for us to watch as fans because the tweaks and the changes are so obvious to see, I think. I think at this level as well, the clubs that are doing well tend to play very consistently. And, and that doesn't mean they're brilliant. It just means that they know their jobs. Mm. If you take uh, Stevenage at the moment, they play relentlessly four at the back. And Evans won't bugger around with that. He knows exactly what his team has to do. Two banks are four, and they, they, they know that game inside out. And they're getting the benefit of that. And I'm pretty sure if you look at all the teams that are playing better than we are at the moment, then they all play with four at the back. So, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel here. Just say, well, we ought to do that. Um, I don't understand why we don't, especially as three at the back requires two really good uh, wing backs, and we haven't got it at the moment. Let's delve into some more comments. I think I'll lit the uh, blue touch paper with, uh, with my little argument slash rant, whatever you want to call it. Just telling the truth, to be honest. Uh, Richard says, Craig, could you not make the argument that if the team is seventh and not playing well, that's the sign of a good team? Performances haven't been great and changes do need to be made. But the fact is, the team are still in the hunt for promotion. I get your point, Richard. I get your point. But the key word is what Clive and Nick have both said. It's what other teams do and what we did well last season consistency there is no consistency when you split through this Mansfield town side and the fact we are seventh just means that you know we're hanging in there by a thread we could be and we should be third second first we should have made my argument is based on the fact that this season is supposed to be or was supposed to be an improvement on last season in terms of our ambition in terms of going one better and going one better is getting automatic promotion. And you cannot honestly tell me that the way we're playing this season, not just in the last three or four weeks, but going all the way back to the start of the the, the campaign is good enough to sustain a charge in there. If we are not in that, that pack now in third place or second, we're not consistently holding that position. We're, nipping and we're to and fro and we're like a little yo-yo and ultimately it will come down to have we scored enough goals no we haven't have we kept enough clean sheets no we haven't are we going to be relying on other teams yes we are therefore we're taking it out of our own hands again when we shouldn't be we've got the team the squad the players who are capable of doing it yes we've got a list of injuries who was which is as long as you like but the point is, we've not had those injuries all season. It's come to a height at the moment. And at the halfway stage, I honestly cannot put my hand on my heart and say that this Mansfield Town team deserves to get promoted. There are better teams than us, and we will get bitten for it. Let's uh, have a look at some more comments. Uh, Callum says, completely agree. It's not the promotion that it's it's not promotion that will put the numbers up. Uh, we've seen that this season. It's performances, good away days and enjoying playing good football at home. It's crazy how long Hawkins has stayed at the back. Every time he goes up top, he scores. Kevin says, you're spot on, Craig, with what you're saying. Richard says, it's been a long while since we were forcing opposition keepers to make save after save after save and be their man of the match. Can't remember when we last looked like battering a team. This is what I'm saying. We just don't seem to be creating enough chances, partly because <coughs> we seem reluctant 
to shoot. It is almost like we go for one goal. And if we haven't got scored after an hour, we shut up shop and try and nick a point. Not good enough. Uh, Callum says, people are also forgetting there's three points between us at seventh and Salford in 12th. If we sit at 12th of the table, it looks a lot worse. And the pressure from the fans of Clough increases massively. Again, this is what I'm saying with the fan base thing as well. Performance drives the fan base. At the start of the season, we had a good home atmosphere. I don't think I've felt it for the last two or three home games. And the more we don't play good, attacking, attractive football, the more chance there is of that atmosphere going toxic and going sour. And we've all seen what happens when that happens. We've been burnt by that in the past. Simon says, it feels like a below standard league this year. Um, Consistency will get you promoted, but we can't see it. Roger says, I've said it before, we are average. That's it. You can't gloss over it. It's what it is at the minute. Uh, Paul says, do we need three or three or more than three with the amount of injuries the Stags got? I think three will be enough. Uh, Richard says, we've had momentum going into Gen- we had momentum going into January last season, but then the best players like Lapsley and Maris couldn't get a game because we the players we brought in who were not as good but we're keeping them out. Same's happened this season. We've tried to accommodate Boateng and Hartigan. Hartigan being injured, um, by the way, this could be a, a completely separate rant for an, or another time. It's quite ironic because he's out for the season and we didn't bloody need him in the first place. Um, as Nigel Clough said, his comments, we don't need to bring someone in to cover him because we've already got two or three in there. Why sign him in the first place? Waste of a contract. Um, Stag's chat says uh, this season is a fight to the end like every other season we have had the same season every year injuries, suspensions etc we need those three or four players to make it just that little bit better and potentially to be covered as well I think that's also the difference Nick let's touch upon that for a second you know we can probably get by with what we've got but the reality is if we do stick with what we've got and try and get by with it we might scrape seventh. We'll be relying on other teams. It won't be in our hands. But making two or three additions, two or three loan moves, permanent moves, whatever, just bolstering it by two or three, that could well be the difference between scraping in seventh and making a push for third. If, In my opinion, if we don't make any signings, we don't finish anywhere near seventh. I really don't. I, really don't. I, I sit there at home and I don't know what we're trying to do. I don't know what... I don't know how we're trying to score. If you look at other teams, you could see with Swindon, it was intricate passing and then it was balls in behind the fullback. You've looked at other teams and at least if they go long ball, at least you know that's what they're trying to do. Stevenage go a, a bit long ball at times. But I don't know what we're trying to do. It seems to be we either get lucky. So someone makes a mistake. Like Aikens' goal against Colchester was a, a foul in the box and we got lucky that he was two yards out. It's corners or it's poor defending from others. It doesn't seem like we've got a modus operandi of what we're actually trying to do. So if we don't actually know how we're trying to go about it, how does Clough know who to sign with these three or four players? It's great saying we need to sign three and four, and we do, but does he actually know what he's looking for? The, the Hartigan argument sums it up. Mm. Once we signed Boateng, we did not need another central midfielder. You know, we I'm lost Longstaff. We lost Longstaff sorry, sorry. and replaced him with Boateng. Yeah, sorry to cut you off there as well. I'm going to be honest. I don't think we needed to sign Boateng. I don't. I don't think we needed needed it. It was the prime. Centre mid was the to... least the least yeah. position we needed to improve. Yeah, and, and we didn't we doubt. didn't need either we didn't need either player because you had you've still got Ollie Clark, Lapsley, Maris, Quinn, Wallace, O'Tolley wanted to play in there. Law. You've got seven there without even mentioning Boateng or Hartigan. Especially when we played the diamond a, as well, in which case you you know Yeah. You've got yeah. you've got it, four plus three there. It, um, it is, but no, it, we, it, I, I worry that we're gonna sign somebody we either don't need. Or, I mean, we've already proved it. The only player he's signed since August is a player who's been injured that much that we've released him without playing. Yeah. He do we have what, any confidence? 40, 45 these... minutes? Yeah, with 45 minutes. Do we, do we have any confidence that these three or four are going to come in and are going to be any good? I don't know. If they're as good as the ones we signed last January, you know, or, or last season, sorry, you look at O'Toole, it's a great signing. But then, you know, you look at others we signed at January and, and maybe not so good. So I think, I think we're going to have to remember. judge after these signings as to where we finish. If it's worth remembering, uh, Nick, that O'Toole wasn't a straightforward January acquisition. No, he wasn't. He, he was out of contract. We took him on a short term. November, was it November? Something like that. We yeah, and yeah. it was a good, it was a good acquisition that. in that respect. I think January is a notoriously dangerous time to, to go recruiting because, by and large, if players are worth their place, they're not available. And, and therefore, you're you ending to pick up players who aren't worth their place in their home clubs. 
that's a that's a dangerous generalization i accept that the time that we should measure how our competence in recruitment is in the summer and if you judge our recruitment competence on what we did this summer we are woefully below the required standard you know the players we took in were neither improvements nor necessary in some cases, it should have been though, should it? You know, you look at yeah, that team that got to the playoff final, and then you, you you know you take out the you take out Bishop and put Pym in. You could argue, well, that's fair enough. You take out yeah. Johnson and put Swan in. You could go, that's fair enough. You take out Longstaff and put Boateng in, which you could argue again is fair enough. We should, as a minimum, be better than we were last season. But like you say, we've it's, we've been woeful. I mean, you could uh, you could say that because of the short summer that we had, because we were in the playoff finals. Um, that we didn't have the freedom to recruit that perhaps other clubs had. No, I'm sorry. That's a load of garbage because the recruitment team should be working 24-7, 365 days a week. They should have their ear to the ground. They should be working on the basis that we're not quite sure what league we're going to be in, so we'll we'll have two different strategies in place. And we've got these players lined up if we do that and those if we do this. Now, I'm probably oversimplifying the role of the recruitment specialist. But we have got one. I don't think there can be another League Two club that employs a recruitment specialist. So, yeah, you have directors yeah. of football and scouts, but you're absolutely yeah, yeah. right. We're paying, we're paying these most... money. Yeah. And like you say, you know, they're not, the recruitment team aren't governed. It makes no odds to them. Uh, the only difference it makes is whether we're signing a player to play League One football or League Two football. That's the only thing that they would have had up, you know, up their sleeve. And I actually do genuinely believe that we lost a lot of players because we didn't get promoted because we were so adamant that we were going to win the playoffs when it was blindingly obvious that we probably weren't as soon as we got Port Vale in the final. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Roger says, Cambridge uh, had Mullin and Ironside and went up. That's the difference. No disrespect to Swan and Oates. Uh, Paul says, Craig, you should be asking cluffy questions after each game on a Saturday. Um, well, you know, I do sympathise with them a little bit because there are, there are certain there are ways that you have to approach it, but I do think Genu- did genuinely have good conversations with Nigel Clough both on and off tape last season. I would love the opportunity to sit down and, and genuinely scratch at the surface a little bit more and, and find out about about the psyche. It does uh, it does frustrate me a little bit when we're talking about um, when it, it literally just is. What's your reflections on the previous game? What's the latest on injuries? What's what you expect him from Saturday is the same repetitive thing each time. It's January, the last sort of conference between January or the first week of January. I'd want to talk a little bit more about recruitment, about evaluating the season as a whole, about evaluating the formation, talking about why he tweaked it, talking about whether he thinks it's sustainable or not, and thinking about that, and just having more conversations, the things that we want to hear as supporters and not just which, and I mean no disrespect by it, but what is just a box-ticking exercise in some respects for sound clips and uh, for, for articles such as um, match previews. There's a little bit more to it. I think there could be a little bit more done, but I but don't you know, get to Craig, ask the questions. The, the, the problem is that the interviews are conducted by employees of the football and, and you And you also, sorry, Clive, to call you, just, to, just to put a caveat to it, you also only get an X amount of time as well. So, for example, last season, especially the more towards the playoffs we got, I'd get four minutes with Nigel Clough, maybe five, six if I was lucky, and there was an order. And the problem is you're going separately and you need X amount of content to put in to last you the week or to put in for your show or whatever. And Clough is answering the same questions. And if you're second in the pipeline or in the line to ask questions, it is difficult to ask because... You don't want to ask the same questions, but also you do have to ask the same questions because it's it's what you need. So I do sympathise with those that are asking the questions. I just maybe think maybe more of an open forum would be great. It'd be interesting to see if they do do a fans forum, as promised in February. But personally, I think that's too little. I think it's too little too late, to be honest. I think it should be earlier than that. Let's delve into some more comments. We are running swiftly out of time. Um, do you think... Let's have a one-word answer from both of you guys. Kevin asks, do you think Lapsley will leave in the January transfer window? Nick? No. Clive? No. Yes, I do. Um, Kevin also adds, should never have got rid of Andy Cook or DJ. Mm, I can argue with the Cook one a little bit because his wages technically have played for like three players. 
Um, loads more coming in as well. Uh, Callum says, agree with you, Nick. We've lacked any sort of creativity for a while. Uh, look how much Northampton, the Northampton team has improved from last season. Look to strong young team, says Simon. Roger says it's simple. You either get somebody who can score goals or stay as you are. Um, uh, Paul says you never hear anything of David Sharp. What does he do? Lots of things behind the scene, I'm sure. But that's why a, a fans forum is very, very important indeed. Uh, wait till February, says Paul, when it's Clough and Sharp night, Craig, then lay into them. Laying slims the, the wrong word. I just want to get more clarity, but I'm sure it will go a different way as well. Um, Roger says, Clough wants a Peter Taylor like his old man has. It's the only way. Um, and Charlie says, we've lost it this season. Well, I'm sure we'll have plenty more transfer chats and uh, talk about where we're going right or wrong in the coming weeks. As always, you can stay in touch via social media at MCFC Matters. And uh, let us know all of your things as well. We're going to move on to podcast predictions in a couple of minutes' time. But um, Nick has inspired me in my new office setup to put the rail up. I haven't got as many shirts to swap out each week as Nick, so it will probably stay as it is. But Nick, you've gone for a different theme. And I'm thinking this week you've gone for the goalkeeper's theme. Talk us through what you've got. Yeah, I was going to go down an injury route and find players that have been injured half the time, but I, I didn't. Um, very quickly, because I don't want to take up all your time. I think I did the Steck one last week. Um, that Steck's match issued against Salford. Didn't come on, didn't play, never actually played in that shirt. Um, but it's got the patches from last season, so it's the only one in existence, apart from somebody who I know has Bishop's shirt. They're the only two. Um, I've got Conrad Logan still covered in Rodney Parade. Maud, that's from the um, two playoff games against... Newport does have the playoff patch on there somewhere. Um, so he wore those in the two games against Newport. And then another keeper, same era, same fluorescence, but the opposite colour. Uh, we've got Bobby's, which was the same season. Um, I believe that was worn away against Berry. I haven't found any photos of him wearing it again because it's got the away uh, sponsor on it. And then even further behind me, which is getting more awkward to reach, we've got Logan's poppy shirt, which was he was on the bench for the poppy game against Charlton in the FA Cup. Um, but then they put the league patch over it to save money so he could wear it again. Uh, and then over here, we've got this one, which is Jake, Jake Keane. That was worn. Do you remember when he tripped up an MK Dons player after a penalty? Yes, it went viral, didn't it? Yeah. That is that shirt from, from that game because that is the uh, the only green shirt he had that season and he wore it. Still covered in more than he signed it somewhere. Um, that was a freebie that he sent me, so that was nice. nice. Um, and then over here, this, I don't know if I'm still on. I am. Um We've got this massively wide shirt, which is obviously Mr. Brian Jensen's. Um, and then I've got three of my, probably my favorite. If I was to do a top 10, I think these three would be in it, which is the Cardiff shirt, which I have. I'm speaking, I'm trying to get hold of as many of the Cardiff shirts as I can. I've got two. I've got one on the way <laughs> and potentially another one on the way because I managed to speak to James Coates, who has that shirt, but the, he was ah. the son. Didn't come yeah, on. it was the youth youth team. Yeah, team, trying to get involved was... with it. That's the that's the mission at the minute. Um, I've got Andy White's from he was issued it. Yeah, uh, and I might be potentially getting another player issue one, but I want the match worn ones. I don't know where people have got them. I'm asking players oh. now what they've done with them because they obviously had them. Yeah, Mackenzie hasn't got it. Corden hasn't got it. Lawrence hasn't got it. Dave Artell hasn't got his. But they don't know what they've done with them. So I need to. That's the next mission. And then I've got this one. All That's signed, my favourite. Yeah, you can see that. That one. And then that one. They were both worn by Pilkington in uh, the playoff. Uh, the playoff in the promotion season, 0102. There were his only match shirts for that season, and they're signed by the whole squad. So that's home. Um, well, I say home and away. He generally wore the silver one at home, although he did wear the black one at home. Um, now, but yeah. That's, it is so my that's the ones. It is my birthday in a couple of weeks and I have just moved on to the same estate. So, you know, I'm missing a housewarming present and a birthday present in one. Is so, if a you want to pop... No, i just take the shirts, mate. That's fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you a sign. I'll swap you a sign. Uh, we'll give you a Nicky or Jose one. It's not the same, is it? <laughs> it's just much worse. It's much worse. I'm trying same, to get as many as I can from that, from that promotion season because they're quite hard to come by. I, managed, I did finally manage to get older Mr. Greenacre in New Zealand last week. But the only oh, stag shirt he has, he was a lovely guy. The only shirt he has, unfortunately, is that one. 
and it's framed, as does Wayne Corden. He's exactly the same. He only has one shirt left. Yeah. And it's his promotion well, one. So trying to get players to part with that is going to be quite difficult. But Yes, you may need a bigger checkbook. Right, let's move on yes. to uh, podcast predictions. It was triple points on uh, on New Year's Day, which meant a shake-up in the table. Clive, your lead at the top was very short-lived. And Alan is now back leading the way at the top of the table on 31 points. In second place, it's Roger King on 30. Then in joint third, Kiwi Stag, Adam Crump, Steve Nadim, Clive Parkin and David Shetlife. Uh, JS is in eighth on 28 points. Then Cathy Holmes in ninth on 26. And Nathan, Nathan Edge, you know, remember him? He used to come on this podcast before he moved out into an area that didn't have internet. Hopefully get him back next week as well. Um, he has snuck into 10th place, one point above me in 11th. Uh, Nick, you're slowly climbing the ladder. You're on eight points now on 21st place. I've only done it with about that, five times. That's the problem. Ex- I keep forgetting. Exactly. Exactly. Well, the more we have you on the podcast, the more you are reminded to do it. And you're going to kick us off with this week's one at home to Barrow on Saturday, is it? Yeah, I'm going to go against everything we've said and go for a Stags win. I don't know how we're going to score or who's going to score or where from or how it's going to happen, but we are going to win 2-1. And it's going to be a dire first half and we're going to score in the 54th minute. (laughs) Clive, you're up next. I agree with him. We gonna, we're going to squeak a 2-1 win and we're going to score in the 58th minute. Oh, you've, you've oh very, very close. Uh, I'm going to go for a 0-0 draw. Oh, brilliant. I'm going to be boring and go for a 0-0 draw. As always, if you want to play along with podcast predictions, you can do so. The link is in the description. I think that's just about it for this week. Any other business that you want to add in? I felt you were going to say something there, Clive. No, I just I'm not at all dis- disillusioned at losing my place at the top of the prediction league table. I think the others are far far more deserving of it. I thought for a period of time during the last game, I I got the uh, got the result two one wrong way round, but it would have counted and trebled trebled up. It should have been um, put me even in a fairly invincible position. But apparently, I didn't forecast two one. I forecast one all, and that's correct. Early onset dementia. <laughs> well there you go well do remember what day it is and we will see you again here next week uh, not sure what day the podcast will be next week because I start a new job on Monday so I don't know what my week's going to look like but stay tuned to our social media and we'll uh, let you all about it now Nick we've had home shirts we've had away shirts goalkeeper shirts where are you going to go next time you're on what, what's what's your theme for next time If I mean someone said if you had injured players you're going to need a bigger rack I almost went with colours with green white Simon Brown, but I realised three was not Ooh. enough. So, um, and we've never <laughs> had a player called Red, so I couldn't use any of the red ones. So, uh, I'm not sure yet. I'll have to, I'll have a think. I what about sleeve defenders, numbers, particularly, not do anything. Have a little think because I've enjoyed the differences that you've been putting up recently and keep them coming. Uh, a reminder if people want to find you on the old internet, where can, they, uh, where can they find you? I'm everywhere now, and I'm probably annoying everyone on all of the Mansfield Facebook groups because I keep posting all my shirts in there now. Um, Mansfield Town I can vouch for that, by the way. I thought I, th- I knew it'd be you, Clive. I knew somebody'd be annoyed somewhere. Um, yeah, Mansfield Town shirts everywhere. That's it. Just search for that. It's as simple as yeah. that. Right, that's it. Um, Nick, you know you've got all the shirts, but have you got a pair of boots? I have a pair of boots from a player that I will say his name, and you wouldn't guess it if I give you two hundred and fifty guesses. Fergus Bell. Well, there you I go. Have a get pair Ferg- of Fergus Bell's boots. And I, are your, I are they your size, Nick? I don't think, considering how some of our players play, I don't think that, that it matters. <laughs> like, stick them on. Off well, get them go. on. Get yourself down to the training ground. Tell Cluffy you can play at wing back and you'll probably get a game on Saturday afternoon. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Well, that's all we've got time for on tonight's Mansfield Matters podcast. Thanks, as always, for getting involved, whether that's by listening, cheering, dropping us a comment, or whatever it is you've done to get involved with the show tonight. My thanks, too, to the Mansfield Matters podcast panel. Make sure you follow us on all things social media to find out when we're next going to be live as we reflect on Barrow. No doubt talk frustratingly about how we haven't made a signing yet by this time next week. 
and much, much more in between. As always, make sure you get involved with podcast predictions. The link that you need is in the description and you must do so no later than one hour and one minute before kickoff on Saturday afternoon. Right, that's it. I'm sure I've got some more boxers to unpack. I'll see you next time on the show for the fans, by the fans. This is the Mansfield Matters podcast. And until next time, goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.